Welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. My name is Chad. I'm a lead pastor here. And we're going to wrap up our series entitled The Beatitudes, God's Unexpected Blessings. And one of the things that we've noticed as we've been traveling through the Beatitudes is that Jesus' first words and his first, wor- first sermon were words of blessing. Jesus didn't come to contemn. Jesus didn't come to judge. Jesus didn't come to set up new set of rules for us to follow in order to enter God's good graces. Jesus came to bless. Jesus' first words were words of blessing. And he didn't bless the people we might expect. He didn't bless in a way that we might expect. Jesus didn't bless the unhealthy with health. He didn't bless the unwealthy with wealth. He didn't bless the unwise with wisdom. Jesus blessed the poor. He blessed the hungry. He blessed those that are thirsty and mourning. He blessed the unexpected. And many of you have commented as we've traveled over these last seven weeks through the Beatitudes, how you've experienced unexpected blessings from God. A couple of you came up to me throughout this series and says, you know what, for a long time, I just kind of read through the Beatitudes thinking that they're a little bit confusing. I don't really get them. And I kind of just skipped over them. And over these last few weeks, I've experienced God's presence in my mourning and in my brokenness. One of you mentioned to me uh, earlier this a few days ago, how you went into a meeting on Monday morning at 730 and it was a, it was a place of conflict. And in your mind, you were saying, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers. And although that conflict was very tough, and all that conflict wasn't even resolved, you were changed because you experienced God's blessing, God's peace in the midst of that conflict. So one person came up to me and says, you know what? I'm seeking to be merciful. I'm seeking to be generous. As God has given so much to be, I want to be a conduit of God's grace and mercy to others. And I received a car. So I gave a car away to someone in need. And I said, how did that feel? He says, it's one of the best five days of my life. Like right up there with getting married and having kids. I mean, it was just awesome to participate in being an unexpected blessing to others. It's wonderful. To hear about how God is blessing up, how we are experiencing God's blessing among us today because God's alive. And he continues to bless us in unexpected ways. And the way that we're going to wrap up our series is the same way that we've been starting it. The same way we've been looking at the context of Jesus' words because the context is king. To understand the context is to fully understand this word of blessing that Jesus has for us. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 4, page 20, uh, verse 23, page 958 in your pew Bibles. And in Matthew chapter 4, we read the context for Jesus' words of blessing. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, read the following. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. Healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. The suffering, severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. And large crowds gathered from Galilee and the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea and the region around the Jordan and followed him. See, this was a very, very exciting time in the life and ministry of Jesus God's power was being revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. People were being healed from sicknesses and disease. The demon possessed, those suffering with with, with seizures. Just tremendous healing occurred during this first part of Jesus' ministry. And a large crowd gathers. 
People from Judea and the Decapolis, Jews and Greek, clean and unclean, all young and old gathered because they were mesmerized by the power of God displayed in the life of Jesus. And they wanted more because they thought Jesus could be the Messiah. They thought Jesus could be the one to overcome the oppression that they've been experiencing for years. And it's almost as if Jesus paused. During this tremendous time of healing, during this large crowd, almost this carnival-like atmosphere, and Jesus pauses to communicate to his first followers what it means to participate in his kingdom, who he is for. See, Jesus gives this list of unexpected blessings. Remember, that blessing is that Greek word, makurios. It's that divine presence. It's, just God. it's like God saying, I am with you. I am for you. I am on your side. And it's these words of blessing that Jesus begins in verse 3, chapter 5. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritually empty. Blessed are those who come to the end of the rope and they let go because it's in that moment they experience God's presence in their lives. Blessed are those who mourn, who get out what's going inside. They don't hide their feelings. They express their feelings to God because then and only then will they be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek. Those who submit to God's reign and rule on the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not the completion of righteousness, not the attainment of righteousness, but it's the hunger and thirst for right relationships with one another. Because when you're in that place of hunger, God says, I am with you. I am for you. I am on your side. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And now we come to this last beatitude. This last beatitude, number eight. Blessed uh, are the uh, persecuted. And of all the things that we've noticed over the last few weeks, one of the things that we've noticed is that the, the very places that we try to avoid, mourning, hunger, you know, thirst, are the very places that we meet God. And it's no different in this last beatitude. Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of doing that which is right, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, when I hear this beatitude, blessed are the persecuted, I am quick to think about the hundred million Christians around the world that are being persecuted right now. Those that are living in the Muslim world, those that are living in North Korea or Iraq or, or in different parts of the world that are literally running for their lives because they believe in Jesus. I'm quick to think about my friend Isho. Isho was a, a Christian living in Iraq. I met him a number of years ago when I was volunteering for World Relief. He's a refugee. And when I first met him, he told me a story that he was working as a as a, as a teacher, as a professor, as a journalist, and as a translator for Saddam Hussein. And when the first Iraqi war broke out, some information was leaked out to Western reporters. And because Ishi was a Christian, and, and they equated Christianity to be a religion of the West, they immediately accused him of leaking out this information. So he immediately was put into prison. And his house was, was ransacked, and his family was, 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 was uh, persecuted. And for, somehow they were able to escape, but they ran for their lives because of the name of Christ. And it's easy for me to think about Esho and these 100 million Christians around the world that are literally running for their lives because of the name of Christ when I hear the word, blessed are the persecuted. But I don't think that that's the only group Jesus had in mind when he gave this blessing. 
I don't think that's the only group that Jesus had in mind when he stood in front of this large crowd of people, young and old, Jews and Greeks, different parts of the world, all gathered together to hear Jesus. I don't think that Jesus only had in mind those that lose their lives or their homes or their families because of their faith in Jesus. See, Jesus, as Jesus spoke these words to that large crowd back then, as we hear these words in this crowd this morning, I think Jesus knew that eventually we would all face some form of persecution. Paul says it this way. Second Timothy 3 says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life. Everyone who wants to live out the Beatitudes, everyone who wants to experience God's kingdom on earth, everyone who wants to live a godly life and follow Christ here and now today will be persecuted. You you may not have your family terrorized. You may not have your home destroyed. You may not lose your job, but you could lose a promotion in your job. You you could be sidelined. You could maybe not lose your life, but maybe your social life. You could be ostracized or rejected because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Persecution is not just about people living in the Muslim world or the 100 million Christians around the world. Persecution happens here. And now, today, in your workplaces, in your schools, in your home, we experience persecution and we have an opportunity to experience God's blessing, God's presence in the midst of our persecution. See, many people today are persecuted or rejected because of faith. And and Paul says to us, everyone who wants to live a godly life, everyone who wants to bring God's kingdom to earth will be persecuted. Persecuted, the Greek word that Jesus uses, dioko. Let me hear you say dioko. Dioko is that Greek word that we translate persecute, and it means to pursue. It means to go after. It means to chase or harass. It's that person in your office or that person in your family that kind of is relentless. And they just, they, they don't give up. They keep going after you. They keep bringing that issue up. They keep bringing up that thing. And, and, and they won't drop it. They're pursuing you. They're relentless of their pursuit of you. But then Jesus gets a little bit more specific as he describes what it means to be persecuted. Verse 11, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you when people insult you, When people talk behind your back, when people talk in front of you, when people call you small-minded, when people call you intolerant, when people say, oh, Christianity is just for people that need a crutch. Blessed are you when people insult you, say all sorts of false things about you, say that you're intolerant or small-minded or speak abusive words to you. Now, notice that Jesus used the words people. In the second part, verse 11, it's more than just one person. The one person that's persecuting you gets another person who gets another person who gets another person. And all of a sudden, there's this rumor, there's this lie, there's this insult, there's this false thing that's said about you. And it's growing and it's gaining momentum and it's there to bring you down and it hurts you. They don't they, they make things up to bring you down. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of God. Not the typical recruitment speech. 
Not the typical recruitment speech when Jesus is standing before a crowd of people that are just about to follow him. Not the type of words you would expect a coach that would be motivating his or her players to say, hey, blessed are the persecutors. You're going to be insulted. People are going to falsely accuse you. You might even die. Blessed are the... Not the typical speech. And I wonder if I was there that day when Jesus first said these words that if a handful of people just walked away once they heard the words of Jesus, blessed are the persecuted. But Jesus' words are so clear. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the ones that, 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 that are suffered and are insulted because of righteousness. Because participation in the kingdom of God is not easy. It's very difficult. It's not just about power and healing and authority and somehow overthrowing the government. It's about this place of sorrow and conflict and insults and slander and persecution and people that are out to get you. See, that's the reality of bringing God's kingdom to earth. It includes persecution. And persecution is throughout the scriptures. And we just got a page through the Bible and you see followers of God being persecuted all over the place. You remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a story that we looked at just on Wednesday in Fam Jam when we saw these three men that were living in exile. And the king Nebuchadnezzar said, you got to worship to this, this statue. Basically, worship to me. And they says, no, we don't want to do that. We believe in God. We worship the one true God. And in, and in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. They say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you at this matter. If we throw into the blazing furnace, that's what they, Nebuchadnezzar threatened to do, to throw them into the fire, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image you have set up. We're not going to do it. We'll take the persecution. We're not going to bow down and worship this foreign God. We will be persecuted and God will show up. And even if he doesn't show up, we're not going to bow down and worship some idol. See, these young men were persecuted for their faith by this foreign king. And they almost lost their lives, but God protected them. They were persecuted by this foreign king, by this outsider. But persecution isn't always from the outside. It isn't always from the world. It isn't always from some foreign king. Much persecution also comes from the inside. It comes from people that claim the name of God. It comes from people within the family of God. Just think about Jesus. Do you remember who persecuted Jesus? These are religious leaders, right? It was the people who knew the Bible. It was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day. They killed Jesus. Do you remember who persecuted Paul? It was the insiders. It was the same people. It was the Jews. It was the, it was the, it was the Sadducees. It was, it was the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. It was the insiders that persecuted Paul. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 11. He says this. Five times I received from the, from the Jews. Forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. It was people inside the community of faith. His own people, his own countrymen that insulted him, beat him, tried to kill him. Paul continues, verse 26 is this. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger of Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. I've been in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and even gone without food. I have been cold and naked. I have been persecuted. 
In my pursuit of Jesus, in my desire to follow God, I have been persecuted. You ever heard that phrase, the safest place to be is the center of God's will? Ever heard that phrase before? Is there anything safe about Paul's journey? I mean, did you hear the word danger repeated over and over and over again? And does, does Paul know something about God's will? I mean, he wrote half the New Testament. But, but somewhere along the way, we as a Christian community have equated that something that, that, that following God or God's kingdom is safe. You know, it's tranquil. It's easy. But the truth is there's nothing safe about following God. It includes persecution at home, at work, at school, in your neighborhood, participating in God's kingdom on earth always includes rejection and insult and slander. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Jesus said it this way. John 15 says this. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Pretty clear. If they persecute me, which we know that they did, they're going to persecute you. And the most important part of that verse is the first word. Remember. Remember. Because it's so easy to forget that following Jesus includes persecution. It's so easy to get comfortable in our faith. It's so easy to, to fail to risk in talking to our neighbors and our friends. It's so easy just to kind of go through the motions of our faith. That's why Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Because you're doing the right thing. Remember, that Greek word is dikaiosuna. We talked about that in week four. Righteousness has to do our right relationship with God, but it's fundamentally our right relationships with one another. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because they are risking their lives to doing that which is right one to another. They're taking risks. They're stepping out. They're caring for the needs of the poor. They're doing that which is right at work, at home, at school. They're bringing about God's kingdom on earth. See, persecution, slander, suffering, it's all part of participating in God's kingdom. So the first question I'd just like us to consider this morning as we consider this first beatitude is simply this. Have you ever been persecuted for doing something right? For doing the right thing at work? For doing the right thing at school? Have you ever lost a friend for keeping your moral standards high? Have you ever been rejected, ever been insulted for following Jesus? Have you ever been considered narrow-minded? Or intolerant? Have you ever been persecuted, rejected, or insulted because of your relationship with Jesus? I got good news for you. God is with you. God is for you. God is on your side. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who insulted, falsely lied about, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues. He not only says that those who he not only says that those who suffer for the sake of the gospel, he says in this final beatitude, in this eighth beatitude, he ends in a very surprising way. And in verse 12, Jesus says to these people in the face of persecution, he says, rejoice and be glad. 
just love Jesus. You know, this is not what you expect in the face of persecution. Rejoice and be glad as you are insulted, as you are lied about, as people say false things about you. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you, rejoice and be glad. The Greek word is, is from the root word karyas. It means gift. It means celebration. And, and when we come to that word be glad, it literally means leap for joy. And it literally means stand up on your feet and cheer. Give a loud shout because you are being persecuted. Stand up and cheer. Why? Because you're not alone. You're in good company. They persecuted the prophets who were before you, and you will receive a reward in heaven. Now, we don't know exactly what that reward will be when we stand before God and we worship him without sin and without shame, but we know that our worship of God in heaven will be more rich because we endured persecution here on earth. Jesus says, rejoice, be glad. When you face insults, insults, when you face persecution, when people say false things about you, have you ever been persecuted? And when you were in that point of persecution, did you leap for joy? Did you celebrate that? Probably not, right? That's probably not where we go. I mean, if you're like me, that's probably not the place where we go in the midst of that insult, in the midst of that persecution. See, oftentimes when we come into those places that are difficult, those places of pain or suffering or insult, we want to run away from it. We want to get away from it. We want to get out of there. But Jesus says, it's right there that I meet you. It's right there that you experience my blessing and my presence in the midst of that persecution. The very thing we run away from is the very thing we need to go to in order to experience God's blessing in our lives. I remember one time when I was persecuted, I, uh, I was, I was, um, there was, there was a group of people that didn't like necessarily what I was doing. They were saying some things that were untrue. Same the things that were about me that were just about flat lies. And they gathered a couple more other people to kind of raise up some dirt to rile things up. And I tell you, I was not leaping for joy in the moment. I was not all excited. I was not celebrating this type of persecution. It hurt. It was really hard. And I wasn't really sure how to navigate through some of these things. And I certainly was not leaping for joy until I reread this beatitude of Jesus. Until I read these Beatitudes from beginning to end. And I noticed something that changed me. It changed my perspective. I noticed a connection from the first to the last Beatitude. Now, some of you may have already seen this, but the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, they are given the kingdom of heaven. And the last beatitude is the exact same thing. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because of righteousness for theirs. Is the kingdom of heaven. And I saw this connection between the beginning and the end of the Beatitudes. And I realized that this is the path of discipleship. This is the rhythm of the kingdom. This is the invitation that Jesus has for each one of us to go down to experience his presence and blessing in our lives. You see, when you're persecuted, you know what you do? You fall to your knees and you say, God, I'm impoverished. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I can make it. Would you please fill me up? 
When you're persecuted, you go to Beatitude 2 and you say, God, this really hurts. These words are hard. I'm weeping. I'm mourning. Would you please comfort me? See, when you're in the midst of that persecution, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You want things to be made right. See, when you're persecuted, you have this opportunity to extend mercy and forgiveness to others. When you're persecuted, your, your, your heart is refined. Your motives are purified. See, when you're persecuted, you have an opportunity to be a peacemaker, to extend God's peace in the midst of that conflict. See, when you're persecuted, you enter into this process of discipleship, this path of experiencing God's kingdom on earth in our lives. And when I saw this connection between the beginning and the end of the beatitude, I experienced God's presence. God's blessing in the midst of my persecution. So the Beatitudes are, are, are not a list of things that we need to do and then just get over with. The Beatitudes are not a series that we just do for eight weeks and then we forget about it. The Beatitudes are this process, this journey, this rhythm of the kingdom that God invites us to walk down. And at the top of that list is persecution. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you are persecuted, because in that midst of persecution, I will be there. I will bless you. I am on your side. See, God takes our insults. God takes the criticism. God takes the rejection and the slander that you face, and he brings you back into that place of poverty, that place of mourning, that, that place of longing for right relationships. And it's this rhythm. It's this pattern. It's this path of discipleship that Jesus invites each one of us to go down. But we must be willing. We must be willing to engage in this journey. We must be willing to stand up and, and take a risk. We must be willing to step out and risk the possibility of being persecuted in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods because of righteousness. Because we've chosen to do that which is right. See, as we conclude, conclude our series this morning, as we conclude our time going through the Beatitudes, I just want to ask you one last question. And the question is not just simply, have you been persecuted or did you rejoice in your persecution? But would you be willing to be persecuted for doing that which is right? Would you be willing to be persecuted because of righteousness? Would you be willing to experience God's blessing, God's peace, God's presence in the midst of of doing that which is right. Would you be willing to go to work this week and, and stand up for that which is right instead of padding the numbers, and, and instead of cheating on, on a client, instead of doing what you know to be unethical, would you stand up and say, you know, I'm not going to do that and run the risk of being persecuted? Would you be willing to go to school and say, I'm not going to cheat, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to run with that crowd, I'm not going to do those things that I know to be wrong and run the risk of being socially rejected? Would you be willing to be persecuted because of your relationship with Jesus? Because of me, Jesus says. Because you have a personal, growing relationship with me, would you be willing to enter into conflict, that conflict in your family, that conflict in your workplace, and run the risk of being saying, you're the problem. We don't have a problem here, you're the problem, because that's what happens, right? When you say there's a problem, you become the problem. Would you be willing to risk that, to step 
out in your workplace, in your school, in your home, and run the risk of being persecuted? Would you be willing to run that risk in your own finances to do that which is right because of your relationship with Jesus and step into this rhythm of the kingdom of God on earth? That's the invitation that Jesus has for us. That's the connection from the first to the last beatitude. That's the invitation that Jesus has for each one of us. He says, I want to bless you. I want to pour my blessing and and have you experience my presence in your life. Would you be willing to do that? Because of your relationship with Jesus. Now, I don't know if you're experiencing persecution right now. I don't know if you're rejoicing in your persecution right now. I don't even know if you're willing to be persecuted. All I know is what Jesus said. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom. And if that's what you want, that's Jesus' invitation. That's his invitation to each one of us. To enter into the rhythm of the kingdom. And to come to that point in our journey where we are willing to step out. And our workplace is to do that which is right. And our homes to say, stop, we're not going to treat each other that way. We're not going to talk about each other that way. We're going to speak honorably about it. We're going to do that which is right in our relationships because of our relationship with Jesus. God, I want to thank you for this journey that you've taken us down. These words that are so powerful and so clear from the words of Jesus. These words of blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. Some of these blessings are really hard. Blessed are the persecuted. That that one is particularly hard to swallow. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to us this morning. To somehow make this beatitude true in our lives today. As we think about our relationships at work and at home and at school and our neighborhoods. And in our families. That we could do that which is right. And risk the possibility of being insulted or slandered because of our relationship with you. Do a work among us, Jesus. Don't don't let us leave the Beatitudes. Let us enter into this rhythm of the kingdom and experience your presence each day, I pray. In Jesus' name.